everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We are starting a brand new series called Led by the Holy Spirit. There was a lady stuck in a snowstorm when she remembered her dad's advice. If you ever get stuck in a snowstorm, wait until a snowplow drives by and then follow it. So eventually she sees a snowplow, decides to start following it along in her car. And after about 30 minutes, the snowplow driver, he got out. He stopped the car or stopped the, the snowplow, got out, walked up to the woman's car and said, lady, why are you following me? And so she explained what her father had told her. If you ever get stuck in a snowstorm, wait until a snowplow drives by and then follow it. So the driver looked at her and said, well, I'm done with the Walmart parking lot now. You want to follow me to Best Buy? <laughs> you ever been like that in your life? Just stuck in a situation, not sure what to do? following someone who seems like they might know the answers and finding out that you're not really getting anywhere. The truth is we need a better guide. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. We are starting a brand new series of episodes, and for the next four episodes, we're going to be uh, in this um, <clears throat> in this subject. This, uh, this series, I hope, is, is one that is uh, encouraging, that, that is challenging, um, but I'm going to be doing a lot of just, just teaching. We're going to be looking at being led by the Holy Spirit, and I don't know about you, but this last few weeks, I've really had to lean heavily on the Holy Spirit to guide me. You know, this passage we read, uh, Galatians 5.16 Many translations word the verse a little different than I read it a minute ago. Uh, They use the phrase, instead of saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, they would say, walk by the Spirit or walk in the Spirit. The implication is that the Holy Spirit is actually directing each step. The truth is that every week, every day, every hour, we need to be following direction from God about how we live. That doesn't necessarily mean we have to stop and pray before every decision that we make. And you don't need to pray to have God tell you what to eat that day or what shoes to wear, what flavor coffee creamer to use. Uh, However, that said, believe it or not, sometimes God will actually prompt you to do just that. Maybe you're getting dressed. You feel like God's subtly prompting you where you need to stop and ask God, okay, is there something specific you're wanting me to wear today? Uh, You never know. God might actually want you to wear something extra modest because of a person that you'll meet that day or maybe extra bright because of the effect it might have on your mood during a part of the day that you're going to need it or something else like that that you may never know about. Um, So if we don't need, though, if we don't need to ask God about all of those little things, if that if if being led by the spirit and, and having the Holy Spirit direct each of our steps doesn't mean that before we make any decision, we have to stop and pray then what does it mean? Well, I, I want to give you an analogy 
And this analogy is probably going to be one that we're going to use throughout this series. I want for a moment for you to think about driving on a freeway. Now, here here in Oregon, where most of you are from that are listening to this podcast, there's a lot of, um, there's a a freeway called I-5, Interstate 5. And it goes all the way up through California. It goes all the way up into Washington. It's, it's, uh, It's just a big highway. And on that highway, there's a lot of signs, there's reflectors, there's even paint. But without all of those, even if you took all of those things away, as long as there were no cars on the road, you'd still be able to close your eyes and stay on the freeway going in the right direction. Do you know how? Well, along the sides of the freeway, there's a safety feature called a rumble strip. And there's different names that, that they have for it, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to call it a rumble strip. It's a series of bumps that are along the road, and they're designed to allow you to feel the edge of the road and to hear an audible rumbling through the tires uh, of your car. In essence, those rumble strips are guiding your trip. Now, they might not direct every little adjustment that you make within the lane, but they do make sure that if you start to go too far from where you need to be going, that they alert you. And the Holy Spirit often works in this way. He prompts us. He doesn't yell at us. Uh, he, he guides us through feeling and hearing, but he doesn't take control of the car, right? He doesn't take control and force you one way or another. Just like those strips, they don't, they don't force you to do one thing or another, but they're there to guide you. And, and sometimes the way the Holy Spirit works and often the way he works is, is subtle. But if you're paying attention and if you're listening, you're going to find that he is, in fact, leading you. The Holy Spirit guides our steps, but he doesn't take control. And, and this is true, by the way, whether you are a believer or not. In this uh, series, we're going to be looking at four areas that the Holy Spirit leads us in. And to help us remember them, uh, I went ahead and chose descriptive words that rhyme. So here's what, uh, here's what we're looking at. In, in this episode, <clears throat> we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit leads us to receive. In the next episode, we're going to look at how he leads us to cleave. The week after that, we'll learn how he leads us to achieve. And finally, to close out the series, we're going to explore how he leads us to believe. And I'll explain each week what those words mean. uh, But I assure you, we're going to be closing this series out in a very powerful way. And so let's uh, pray and we'll dive right into how the Holy Spirit leads us to receive. Father, I pray in these next uh, few moments that you would help all of us, Lord, me who is, is uh, delivering this, this message through this podcast and those who are listening. I pray, God, that you would direct it and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God has so many incredible gifts for us. And these gifts include things like salvation and spirit baptism, right? being baptized in the Holy Spirit, along with a whole host of spiritual gifts, uh, some of which are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. In that particular chapter, the gifts listed are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, the power to perform miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpreting of tongues. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 12 that uh, not all receive these gifts. We don't receive all of these. All of these gifts that are mentioned here, some are given those gifts, some are not. It is as the Spirit wills. There's also throughout Scripture... There's also quite a few more gifts named. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 is not the only place that gifts are mentioned in Scripture. Now, I, I recently began 
listening to the audiobook versions of uh, The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, and maybe some of you are familiar with these books. <clears throat> the second book, which is the most popular, it's called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, now, a lot of you guys probably didn't even realize that, that was the second book. That was not actually the first book. Uh, the first book is called The Magician's Nephew. Um, but in the second book, which is the most popular, uh, Peter, Lucy, and Susan meet and receive gifts from Father Christmas. Peter's given a sword and a shield. Lucy receives a bow and arrows along with a magical horn. Lucy receives a magical healing liquid and a small dagger. Each of these gifts were different, but it was because each of the children would have a different role later. It means that their needs would be different later on, and the gifts that they received would have been suited to meet those specific needs. Well, just like those gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are unique to each of us. None of us receive all of the gifts. We merely receive what we need in order to accomplish the task that God has called us to, our specific role. The, the problem is that, that, sadly, we run into a couple of issues. When, when uh, God is trying to give us these gifts, there's problems that we face, and there's two in particular. First, we don't know enough about the gifts, right? Either, either we don't know what they are, or we don't realize why we need them. And second, we feel unworthy, unqualified, or unprepared to receive or use those gifts. It's in addressing these two problems that the Holy Spirit leads us to receive. First, the Holy Spirit works on our hearts to prompt us toward receiving the gifts that God has for us. First, it's salvation. Second, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And third, the use of some spiritual abilities we didn't have before. This works like a feeling or a pulling or a longing to learn more. It, it might sound like the phrase, I want to believe or I want to learn more about. There's more than mere curiosity here. Mere curiosity involves just your mind. It's your brain. It's, it's, it's something mentally. But this is more than that because it involves more than just our mind. It also includes a tugging on our heart. This tugging on your heart might draw you to make sure you don't miss being on, uh, on Sunday, being at church. Why, why is that? It's so you can learn more about the gifts God wants to give you. Now, that, that isn't maybe how you might think of it, but that's at least part of the reasoning behind the Holy Spirit leading you to be at church each week, to listen to podcasts like this each week. He wants you to learn. And that's the first problem. We don't know what the gifts are. And we don't realize why we need them. And that's, that's good for me, by the way, uh, is that, that I don't have to teach it all, right? That, that's good for me. That's, that's, that's what I'm very happy for. Um, John 14, 26 says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Uh, fortunately for me, I don't have to address every single need, every single gift, every single thing that you may run across in your life. I could not possibly do that. But what's nice is that as I teach, as I preach, as I record these podcasts, as you listen to them, the Holy Spirit is at work. And what he does is he takes things that I say and he makes them connect with you in a personal way that I can actually never know of. You know how many times I have had people tell me that a message was just for them? Hey, Pastor, this message was just for me. I, I don't know about these other people in here, but God knew right what I was going through this week. And this, this message was, was just for me. It was so specific. I know it had to just be for me. And then they walk away and another person walks up and says, Pastor, you don't even understand. I don't know about these other people, but this message was 
just for me. And then another person comes up and says, you guessed it, it was just for me. I have had people accuse me of spying on them. I have had people ask me if their kids had told me, had maybe told on them uh, before service to know, you know, or, or during the week, because there's no way I could have prepared this message uh, without knowing, you know, they felt like I was preaching at them and I had no idea what was going on. Um, why is that? How does that happen? And, and let me tell you, it happens. It happens a lot. How is that possible? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit is leading you to receive what God has for you. And he takes what I say that might be generic. It might be a generic truth. And then he applies it specifically to your situation. So, so what happens is you have things, for instance, scripture is one of these, right? So the, the Bible is, is full of truth, right? It, it is true. The Bible is true. It is truth. But it is universal generic truth. That is called logos, right? It's the word. But then what happens is, is as you read it, as you hear the word, and all of a sudden it hits you very personally about a situation you're dealing with, it becomes personal. That's called rhema word, right? So there's, there's a change that happens. As I speak, I'm speaking logos. I'm speaking the word, right? Generic truth, universal truth. But then what the Holy Spirit does is he takes that and he changes it from logos into rhema, from generic word into a living word, right? Into something specific for you. That's what he does. And he helps us to learn and to be ready to receive gifts by helping us to learn what they are, why we need them by taking generic truth and applying it specifically to our lives. The second issue that I, I mentioned was that we often feel unworthy or unqualified or unprepared to receive or to use the gifts that God has for us. Now, I'm just going to be really transparent for a moment. I have struggled with this issue my entire adult life and, and much of my life before I was an adult. When it comes to the many gifts that God has given me, many of these gifts that God has, has given me, I, I struggle to receive them because I either felt unworthy or unqualified or unprepared. I, do you know how unworthy, how often I feel unworthy to stand in front of a church and preach on a Sunday morning? Do you know how often I feel unqualified to lead a band on a Sunday morning, knowing the limitations that I have as a musician? Do you know how often I feel unprepared to lead my church into the kind of ministry that we're moving into? I'll tell you, a lot. Those feelings of fear, doubt in myself, magnification of my own shortcomings, they can make it very difficult at times to receive and to use what God is trying to give me. So how do, how do I do it? How do I do that? How do I receive it? Well, I, I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, it is he who reminds me that those gifts, they're not based on my own righteousness, but on God's perfect love for me. The Holy Spirit reminds me those gifts are not based on my own understanding, but on God's divine insight. He reminds me that those gifts are not based on my own desire for them, but on God's flawless plan that relies on me using them. In other words, it is the Holy Spirit who reminds me that my gifts, they're not for me nearly as much as they are for you and for God's glory. God wants you to have the best gifts. This includes salvation, but it also includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It also includes other spiritual gifts that you will need to accomplish the task that God made you for. 
So when you feel unworthy or unqualified or unprepared, stop and listen for the Holy Spirit to lead you by redirecting your thoughts. It could be that the, the gift that he is trying to give you, the thing that he is trying to put in your hands, the, the thing that he is trying to, to bless you with is actually more for someone else than it is even for you. And by refusing that gift, by saying, no, I'm not worthy of that. I'm unprepared for that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to take this gift until I feel like I've studied more or until I feel like I've got this degree or I have this accomplishment behind me or I feel like now I'm prepared and I'm ready for it. Let me just tell you, if God is trying to give you something, then you are as prepared as you need to be. God knows when you're ready. If he's giving it to you, you are. And so if you're struggling with those feelings and those thoughts of feeling unworthy or unqualified or unprepared, stop and feel for the spiritual rumble strip that can redirect your feelings. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us to receive. Now, if you're not a believer, if maybe, maybe you're an atheist, maybe you're agnostic, maybe uh, you're just, you're just not, you're not a believer then you might be thinking something like, you know, pastor, that's all well and good for you Christians, but I'm not sure I believe all that stuff. There's no spirit leading me. I would know. Look, even if you're not a believer in God, I am positive that you have had him prompt your spirit in a way that you recognized. You just called him by a different name. You called him your conscience. But make no mistake, he's the one who was telling you what was right and what was wrong. I want you to think about it for just a moment. There is nothing more in the, sorry, if there is nothing more in this world than mere chance, then there's actually no such thing as good or evil. There's no such thing as right or wrong. It's all just chance. If a person dies, that's not wrong. It it just happened. It's, It's biologically necessary for the evolutionary process. People wouldn't be doing evil in this world. They would only be doing what they're biologically programmed to do. That's not good and it's not evil. It just is what it is. In fact, the entire concept of evil, it doesn't even make sense unless there is an objective standard of good to compare it against. Otherwise, what seems evil to you might seem good to the other person who does it. How do you know if something is good or evil? If one person thinks they're doing good and another person sees it as evil, how do we determine what is good and what is evil if there's not an objective standard to compare it against? But if if there is no standard, then good and evil really can't exist. Let me give you the extreme case, right? We all recognize that what Adolf Hitler did was evil while pursuing the creation of what he called a master race. Yet he was inspired by Charles Darwin, believed what he was doing was actually exceedingly good for the human race by furthering evolution. He believed he was doing a great good. And yet the vast majority of the world understands that what he did was actually evil. But if there's no objective standard to compare his actions against, how do we possibly know if what he did was good or evil? See, to to the atheist, There cannot be good or evil. Those concepts don't make sense in a world formed by chance rather than purpose. In a world where we are nothing more than our biology, things just are what they are. They're not good. They're not evil. They just are. They might be bad for you and good for somebody else, and that's it. But there's no moral 
evil. There's no moral wrong or moral good. Not, not in a world where we are just our biology. Those concepts don't make sense. They are illogical. Yet you know deeply that you have seen and experienced evil. You have had things happen to you that morally were wrong. And you didn't just dismiss that as someone acting on their biology. You knew what they did was wrong, morally wrong, not just painful to you, morally wrong. Even if what they did to them might have seemed morally right. How is it possible that you could be so sure? Well, I would say it's because there is an objective standard. There's a standard that God set in place when he created this, this universe. When he made everything, he set in place a standard of good. It's called holiness. It's him. There is a divine standard of, of justice that has been written into the world, that has been written into all of creation, and we understand it. We understand that. Now, we might argue on the details. We might argue on our interpretation of it, but we all understand that evil's very real. But we can only know that evil is real if we have something objective to compare it against. It's more than just our perception. It's more than just our word versus theirs, our perspective versus theirs. We are sure that evil exists But that's only possible when there is something outside of us that we can compare it to. See, your your conscience is made up of two parts. In the book of Romans, we're told that God wrote his law on your heart. Further, in the book of John, we're told that the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of men. In other words, your conscience is the part of you that knows God's law as it was written on your heart. And the Holy Spirit pointing your attention back to it. When we understand that that law on our heart has been violated, we know that evil has been done. It is programmed into us. It is written on our hearts. We understand that at a fundamental level. That's the first job of the Holy Spirit. When we understand that we have violated the law, The Holy Spirit's job is to point us back to that law and remind us when we break the law that's written on our hearts, when we see something that is done that violates the law that we know is is right, the Holy Spirit's job is to point our attention back and show us that it's been broken. It leads us to receive. The Holy Spirit leads us to receive salvation. That's his job. That's one of his jobs. It's his first job. So what is salvation? Well, simply put, salvation is the application of someone else's payment to our debt. Our sin, those times where we ignored the Holy Spirit, violated the law of God. It creates a spiritual debt that must be paid. Laws outline both the rule and the punishment for breaking it. There's no law that just says, here's the rule, but if you break it, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen to you. That's a pointless law. Right? Laws outline both the rule and the punishment. And God is perfect, so his standard is perfect. The punishment for breaking his law is separation from him. It's death. But here's the thing. God loves us more than we will ever be able to understand. 
He is righteous and he's holy and so his law must be upheld. But instead of making us pay that penalty, Jesus came to earth to take the form of a man, to live the perfect life without sin so that he did not owe the same debt we owed. But then to give his life to pay a debt he didn't owe in exchange for our lives. Salvation comes when we choose to receive that incredible gift. It's the gift of Jesus' life laid down for us. Romans 5, 8, it says this, when God demonstrated his own, so, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit leads us and prompts us to receive that gift. Here's how it works. First, he reminds us of the great spiritual debt that we owe due to our sin. This causes a feeling called conviction. Now, conviction and condemnation are very different. God does do both. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And what's the difference? Well, condemnation is judgment, right? There is a time that's coming when people will be condemned. But that time is not now. If you're still alive, then, then you will not be condemned yet. Condemnation is, is a judgment. It's, it's like going before a judge. He declares you are guilty and then sentences you. Now you are condemned. There's a time that's coming that a person, we, we die. We stand before God and we have to answer. And there are many people who who have not accepted Jesus' payment for their debt, and they have instead chosen to pay the debt themselves. They refused his gift. They refused his life. And so they have decided that instead they want to pay the debt themselves. Condemnation is God allowing them to pay their own debt because it's what they've chosen. They've chosen that by the way they've lived their lives. They've chosen that by refusing, by refusing him. Condemnation is that moment of judgment where God says, okay, you've made your choice. You don't want me. I'm not going to force you to spend eternity with a God that you rejected and you wanted no part of. And so he sentences them. He sentences them to separation from him. That is condemnation. Conviction is different. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit moves on our hearts and points us to Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit's first job when it comes to prompting us to receive, his, his first job is to remind us of the spiritual debt that we have. And second, it points us to Jesus as the answer to that debt. And he uses simple messages like, like this one to speak to our hearts. And then finally, what he does is he prompts our hearts to respond. It's not enough that he just shows us that we have a debt, and it's not enough that he shows us that there is an answer. He prompts us to respond. This feels like a tugging on your heart. It's, it's a yearning to respond to an invitation. And maybe you're listening right now, and, and you're feeling that. Something in you knows the law of God has been violated, and you know that you have been guilty of that. You feel the guilt of it. You want the weight of that guilt to be done away with so you can finally be free of it. Well, you can. The answer is Jesus. It's salvation. It is accepting that gift 
that Jesus died to give you. It is a complete erasure of your sin, a removal of your debt. And maybe right now you're feeling like you're unsure. There's something compelling about this message, though. You're you're at a place that you're not sure if you believe or not, but you want to believe. Well, that desire, that urging, that pulling on your heart to respond, that's the Holy Spirit. He is leading you right now. It's like those spiritual rumble strips on the road, right? You, You feel pulling. You feel something. And it's pulling you to respond. That's him. He works subtly, but he's working on your heart right now, telling you, I've been with you all along. I've been leading you to this moment all along. I've been here the whole time. Will you trust me enough to take this step? What is the next step? It's a step of faith. That means that you don't have to be completely sure. Just sure enough to take a step. And maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart right now saying, it's time. It's time. I've been here the whole time. You have felt me tugging and pulling on your heart this whole time. Now it's time. Accept the gift that Jesus died to to give you. Accept forgiveness. Maybe Maybe you're a Christian and the tugging you feel on your heart, it's to receive other gifts. Maybe what you need to receive right now is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, we have this, this thing in our minds oftentimes where the only way to receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in particular, is that it has to be at a certain type of service. It has to be in some revival atmosphere. It has to be at an altar call. It has to be with music playing and with, you know, uh, some powerful man of God or woman of God laying their hands on us and, 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 and all of that. And, And don't get me wrong. God often does work like that. But I know several people that their baptism in the Holy Spirit came when they were alone. And they simply just said, God, whatever it is that you have for me, I want it. The book of Acts, there was 120 people in an upper room and they were praying. There wasn't a single person walking around, laying hands on them, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't know exactly what that meant. They were seeking God and asking God to give them all that he had for them. And they just opened their hearts to receive. And they did. And maybe all that's all that's needed right now is for you to simply open your heart to God to receive everything he has for you. So take that time and just say, God, I, I open my heart right now. I accept whatever it is that you're trying to give me. Please give me all of you that you want. I accept the Holy Spirit. I accept your baptism. I accept your spirit to fill me. Whatever other gifts you may have, God, I I accept those. I may feel unworthy. I may feel unqualified. I may feel like I need to learn more, and I will. But God, whatever it is that you have for me, I accept it. And maybe you are not a believer, but you want to be. You haven't made that decision. You haven't accepted that, that gift of salvation, but you want to. It's not difficult. All you have to do is tell God, I'm sorry. 
Father, please forgive me. I know I've sinned. I know I have broken your law. I know I am in debt to you. Please forgive me. Please wipe that debt clean. Apply the payment that was made by Jesus. Apply that to my debt. Make me free. Make me new. Make me whole. Make me yours. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining me in this podcast. I hope this has been encouraging. I hope this has been empowering. And most of all, I sure hope that you will leave encouraged to receive everything God has for you. God bless you so much. Have an amazing day. We'll see you in the next podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.